Welcome to the Coach's Nook, your weekly boost of coaching caffeine. I'm Anna Maria. I'm Vicenta. We are two certified professional coaches who are passionate about helping people move towards the life that they want to lead. Every episode, we'll be sharing practical tools and techniques that are easy enough to implement right away so you can experience the impact of coaching for yourself. Grab your favorite drink and join us for the conversation. In today's episode, we'll talk about worry. What is worry? And we're also going to be talking about the triggers that lead to worry and how to break the cycle. We're going to get into some exercises that you can implement right away that will help break the cycle. And much of what we are discussing today, Vicenta and I, is based on a webinar series presented by Dr. James Garrett from Brain by Design. Both Vicenta and I are very fascinated by Dr. Garrett's work. But before we actually get into talking about worry, Vicenta is going to talk a little bit about the neuroscience and how that relates to worrying. So Vicenta. Thank you, Anna Maria. As Anna Maria said, we're both interested in neuroscience and neuroplasticity. So before we get into the neuroscience of worry, let's talk about mental habits. And before the mental habits, let's talk about behavioral habits. And behavioral habits and mental habits are very similar in that they have similar neurological tracks. And what do I mean by that? A behavioral habit is composed of a trigger, then the behavior, and then the reward. So let's take, for example, um, a jogger who runs in the morning. His alarm goes off. That is the trigger. The runner then goes jogging. That's the behavior. And after the run, he feels good. That's the reward. He gets a runner's high. He feels more grounded and so on. So the jogger begins to link the alarm going off in the morning to the jogging. The alarm goes off, the jogger runs, and then feels good. Mental habits are thoughts and emotions lay down habit tracks the same way behaviors lay down habit tracks. So you can get in the habit of reacting to something. For example, when a car cuts you off, you can get in the habit of getting upset. Or when you get a phone call from a certain person, you may feel happy or annoyed, and then you act accordingly. So it's the same neurological track, the trigger, behavior, reward. Before we can talk about worry, let's talk about stress. Stress is defined as having less resources than we need to accomplish what we need to accomplish. So for example, I've got so much work to do and so little time. 
It's the gap between our perceived needs and our perceived resources or lack thereof that causes stress. So now we can talk about worry. So as I mentioned before, worry is a mental habit. And again, the habit is composed of a trigger, a behavior, and a reward. So the example that I gave about having too much work and very little time, with worry, the trigger is, I've got a lot of work and so little time to do the work. The behavior is worrying about it. My mind starts to overthink, starts to stew, ruminate about things. It's thinking about this and about that and the what ifs. Our mind starts spinning. The worry that we feel doesn't feel good. But there is a payoff. And the payoff is that the brain thinks it's doing something. It's a perception. And it becomes a vicious cycle. So with this cycle, the brain freezes. It goes offline because we do the worrying. So the stress is the the trigger. And then the behavior is the worry. And the reward is that we're doing something. But it actually, the brain isn't doing anything. And this causes more stress. And because you're not doing anything about the stress, for example, you're not making making that sales pitch to earn you some money to pay the rent, or you're not making that phone call, the gap between what we need and our resources uh, widens. So it becomes a vicious cycle of stress and worry and thoughts and ruminations. And then the brain goes offline and it freezes. Anna Maria, do you have a personal example of this? The one about uh, driving. When I was in my corporate job, I used to drive about 40 kilometers and the majority of it was along the lovely 401 highway. So when someone cut it, cut me off, man, that was my trigger. And my behavior was yelling back. (laughs) Thank God (laughs) the person didn't hear me. I'm sure my, my father was rolling in his grave when he heard what I had to say. And the reward, I guess, was it felt better to get it off my chest, but that really resonated. But that wasn't what my example is, what the example I was going to give. And now I've got the vision of being on a hamster wheel, going round and round and round and round. And that's the worrying that you seem to get into and you can't stop. And my example is very personal. And I'm going to use the coronavirus, which we've all been speaking about for the past seven months. And the trigger for me would be when there's a news report that we're in second wave, the unemployment rates are still very high, there's businesses going under. And then right away, I start to personalize it. And my behavior is, oh, my God, you know, I'm starting my coaching business what is going to happen? I'm not going to find the clients. There's going to be people that are tight with how they're spending their money. So that's my behavior and that worrying, constantly worrying that maybe it wasn't such a good time to start the coaching business at the time of the pandemic. 
So the reward getting back to what you were talking about, Vicenta, it's that the mind is being deceived with this worrying. So the brain is thinking, yeah, Anna Maria, you're doing something about it. You're worrying. So that's fine. That's cool. Just keep on worrying. Yeah. So um, what I'm really intrigued about is the exercises that we're going to be discussing today. And the first one that you have that you're discussing is how to identify that worry pattern and how you can kind of trick the brain so yes. that you don't get into that worry pattern. So Vicente, I'm really anxious for you to talk to our listeners about that exercise. Yes, absolutely, Anna Maria. These three next steps come from a neuroscientist, uh, Dr. Judd Brewer. And these are the three steps to identifying the worry pattern so you can do something about it. So the first step is, first of all, identify what the trigger is. What is causing me stress right now? For example, the bills that come in the mailbox or in my inbox, or when do I start worrying? What is it that is causing the trigger? When do I start worrying? When I turn on the news? What is uh, the trigger? The trigger, for example, can take the form of a specific person or a certain situation like COVID. So when you turn on the news, uh, you know, sometimes I, I think it's best not even to listen to the news because that will trigger a whole slew of negative thoughts and emotions. I know it does for me. The second step is to ask yourself, how rewarding is this? Why am I just continuing to worry? And, you know, worry doesn't feel good. So what is rewarding it about this? When we sit back and get present to, to this, then we realize this isn't serving me. It doesn't make me feel good. And so then we go on to the next step, which is what's the bigger, better offer? And Dr. Garrett talks about this in his webinar series. Uh, what's the bigger, better offer in place of worry? What could I do instead of worrying? Uh, sitting back and identifying the trigger and the behavior is a great first step. Anna Maria? Yes, thank you. The next step would be to sit back and ask yourself, how rewarding is this cycle of worrying for me? What do I get from this? So asking these questions will help you shift from being caught up in this worrying and to actually get you out of the worrying and also start becoming aware. You start asking yourself, is this beneficial? How's it showing up for me in my body? Like this worry behavior. So that's giving the awareness of actually what the worrying is doing to you. So this is also getting you curious. So that curiosity pulls you into the present moment and that observation mode by saying, you know what? 
this worrying isn't serving me. It's showing up for me. It's always a pain in my shoulders and neck. So that's where that's showing up for me if I worry. So be observant of how it's showing up. And then as you mentioned, the next step would be the bigger, better offer. What feels better than actually worrying? This is what you start asking yourself. So being curious again and mindfulness about the sensation in the body and do acts of self-kindness to break this worry habit. Tell yourself, what are you going through right now? It's hard. But you know what? I'm not alone. I'm not the only one going through this hardship. And then give myself some kindness. How can I show that um, kindness to me in that moment? One way would be to say, you know what? I've gotten through worse. This is only temporary. It's going to end. And then talk to a friend, connecting. Connecting to someone in conversations, another one. Connection is uh, a value for me. And it's also proven to be quite effective to help us engage our empathetic responses and also to release the hormone called oxytocin, which actually makes us feel good. So be kind to ourselves, connect with people. And the last one, again, is curiosity. So just being curious about what those triggers are, what the behaviors pattern is to those triggers, be kind and connect. So that's a good way of, as we say, hacking this reward system that's deceiving our brain that worrying is the answer to our trigger. So Vicenta, you were going to talk about the second exercise, is that correct? About the worst case, best case, most likely scenario? Yes, absolutely. And I think what you said about getting curious and self-kindness and connecting with other people is so important these days. And I totally resonate with it very much. So this next exercise comes from the work of Dr. Martin Seligman. And as you said, Anna Maria, it's the worst case, best case, most likely scenario. And this exercise helps calm your mind and your body. It's best to write or type out your answer. And if you want, you can also talk to a friend, a therapist, or a coach. The step one to this exercise is the worst case scenario. And the brain naturally catastrophizes negative situations. And it pays attention to the many things that could go wrong. It's wired that way. So it's good to give the brain a chance to express itself. And by writing it out, it closes those open loops that we have, the what ifs and the thinking, overthinking, the ruminations, and it helps calm the mind down. So for example, in the case of COVID, you may want to play out a scenario where you or someone you know loses their business 
or goes bankrupt because of the impact of the virus. So that would be a terrible situation. The next step is the best case scenario. So next, write out the rosiest possible picture you can. For example, no one in your family or within your social circle is negatively impacted by COVID. Their businesses are actually thriving and they were able to pivot their business in time so that they, they can thrive. And then the step three is the most likely scenario. So finally, bring your mind the most likely thing that will happen. It could be that eventually you or a few of those close to you may need to tap into their savings or retirement. However, you're all able to make it through financially. You know, Anna Maria, in my younger years, I worried all the time. I would constantly catastrophize over things. In fact, I excelled in it. But over time and through many different experiences in my life, I noticed that the worst case scenario rarely ever happened. So just to say that there is hope out there, and it's just a matter of working at it a little bit, because what happens is when we worry, our brain has developed these neurological tracks. And over time, they become a pretty easy route to take. So just like any habit, for example, when you started in school learning to write, it took you a while. And then over time and over many hours of, of the habit of writing, you got pretty good at it. So the brain is like that. When we worry, we get used to it. That's why it's called a habit. But the good news is that the habit can be broken. So again, there is hope out there for all. Anything else, Anna Maria? I just wanted to mention that I use this exercise in coaching quite often and it's quite effective when you ask your client, what's the worst thing that can happen? They come up with the worst thing. And then I said, so what resource can you put in place in case that happens? And then they come up with something. So it didn't seem as bad as it used to be because they do have a plan in place for the worst. And then you go through the best and the most likely. So I really like that exercise and I use it a lot, quite frankly, in, in my coaching. I like that because I think that's a great coaching strategy because what happens is when you said before that the worry starts the brain overthinking and freezing and going offline and it can't really think straight. But when you get curious and when you get your clients to talk about things, it gets them back into the prefrontal cortex, the executive functioning, and it gets them to think about things in a more orderly way. It gets them to maybe plan to think of other resources, as you were saying, to get them moving ahead, which is great. I use that method as well. I think it's a great way to coach a client who's feeling stuck and not able to move forward. Absolutely. And also the part about you being a worrywart, 
Yeah. Uh, I can totally relate. And my husband used to say, why do you always think of the worst? Why are you worrying? Don't worry until you have to. And giving that some thought, I had to self-coach myself and said, you know what? Why am I causing myself all the stress by worrying? Only worry when you need to. So that's uh, what I said I was aware or my husband made me aware, I should say. <laughs> and then I've accepted that, yeah, I tend to go to worry as a habit. And knowing those two things, I'm now making a conscious choice to say, hey, Anna Maria, do I really need to worry about this? It may not even happen. And as you said, chances are it won't because we always catastrophize the outcome. And thank God it doesn't happen all the time. Anyway, in summary, we talked about worry and the neuroscience behind worry and the exercises like trigger behavior reward and then worst case, best case, most likely scenario. And these are things that can help you break that cycle of worrying. So you, the listeners, next time you find yourself worrying, take a pause and think about this podcast and the things that we taught you and get curious about those triggers and see how you can trick your brain into not worrying. So the next episode that we're going to produce will be on gratitude, talking about what gratitude is and the many benefits related to gratitude. so much for listening to the coach's nook with me anna maria and me vicenta if you liked what you heard please hit subscribe and share it with your family and friends and if you want more information or to schedule a private coaching session with either one of us please check the show notes on how to reach us we'd love to hear from you remember Never lose sight of where you want to be, which leads me to a quote from an unknown author that we both love. Hold the vision, trust the process. Until next time.